and welcome back to the Jones Chronicles for something new. So this is going to be a departure. I have decided after, well, maybe I should introduce myself first, right? I'm your host, Christina. I do the Jones Chronicles. If you are a, uh, a listener of that particular podcast, but I also have decided that I'm going to break off the history portion and now I'm introducing Jones Chronicles history so that my Jones Chronicles, the original, only deals with news, gossip, and a little bit of fun facts because I do want that podcast to be a little bit more condensed. So I decided to simply split off and do the history portion and its own uh, for those that are interested as that doesn't necessarily line up with the quick uh the quickness of which or the format of which i am doing that podcast so i'm going to try this out i know i put a lot of uh (laughs) emphasis on the whys which i'm sure no one cares about but i think the title will also give it away jones chronicle history we'll be talking about all types of history but particularly black history outside of the american continent because i do believe that we are we are over indentured with that particular knowledge of our past but there's so much of our past other than just that so that is my draw to wanting to do my part in society by educating uh, myself and others on our very long from the dawn of time type of fucking journey that should not be categorized or only categorized right it's not to say that americans history and the slave trade isn't in a huge modern issue however it is uh, it always seems to be it's only focused with black history and i would like to see what i can do to change that narrative or to enhance that narrative really not change it with all of that preamble out of the way we are going to be discussing black queens in history i've picked a few that aren't as commonly known or commonly discussed so here we go let's go commonly known as the warrior queen Queen Amina of Zarya was the first woman to become the Sarania or queen in a male dominated society. She expanded the territory of the Hausa people of North Africa to its largest borders in history. Much of what is known of Queen Amina is based on information related in the Kano Chronicles other details are pulled from the oral traditions of nigeria in case you didn't know because i probably didn't tell you i am 44 percent nigerian so we talking about my people i am also 25 percent cameron congo and western bantu peoples 11 percent mali uh four percent ivory coast in ghana or ghana my apologies and randomly five percent scottish 
i think i said that i was irish but i am actually not and well there's that i encourage all black people just give give your give them out as gifts ancestry.com gift sets i'm about to do that for my family i'm just gonna make everybody get tested (laughs) and learn the truth of where you come from because that is what precipitated my interest here in starting to find out about my culture you know i was or my family my generations were a direct result of the african slave trade directly to america however most of my history is in nigeria so i have all of this culture even going back to the earliest african civilization which is the bantu people and by not uh informing myself of the other more prevalent quite frankly culture that i have i'm doing a disservice continuing on as a result the memory of queen amina has assumed legendary proportions in her native hasa land and beyond the modern state of nigeria has immortalized amina by erecting a statue of her spear in hand on a horse in the center of lagos i would have if i had known all of this before taking that ancestry.com test before i had my daughter i would have definitely named her amina the seven original states of hasa and i might be saying these pronunciations wrong do not fucking kill me um i'm gonna do my best uh the seven original states of hasa land kasina dara kano zaza or Zazal, Gobir, Rano, and Garun Gabas cover an area of approximately 500 square miles and comprise the heart of Hasaland. In the 16th century, Queen Bakwa Turunku, Amina's mother, built the capital of Zazal at Zaria, named after her younger daughter eventually the entire state of zazao was renamed zaria which is now a province in present-day nigeria amina was born around 1533 in zaria she lived approximately 200 years prior to the establishment of the sokoto caliphate federation that governed nigeria during the period of british colonial rule following the islamic jihad holy war that overtook the region in the 19th century she was born to the ruler bakwa of turinku who lived in the city state of zauzu i'm gonna be saying that a lot it seems and i'm gonna have different pronunciations for it each time the family was wealthy as a result of trading and imported metals cloth cola like coca-cola i'm in love with the coca I'm in love with the coco. I got it for the lolo. I'm in love with the coco. 
And no, before you come at me, it's not cocoa, <laughs> says Cola. Salt, horses, and imported metals. When her father died in 1566, the crown was conferred upon Amina's younger brother, Karama. Although her father's reign was characterized by peace and prosperity, Amina nonetheless chose to spend her time honing her military skills with the warriors of the Zhao Zhao cavalry. This led to her eventually emerging as a leader of the Zhao Zhao. Ooh, that's just, that's, it's a tantalizing word to say, but I'm not sure I'm still saying it right. Zhao Zhao cavalry, during which time she accumulated great wealth and numerous military accolades. Upon the death of her brother after a 10-year rule, Amina had matured into a fierce warrior and earned the respect of the Zhao Zhao military, so she was able to assume the reign of the kingdom. Wake your ass up because it's time to go beast mode. While young, Queen Amina moved to stay with her grandfather and helped him in running errands, attending some meetings and settling some disputes in which he in turn instructs and teach her both political and military affairs. She was age 16 when she was named Majajia, which means heir apparent and had about 40 female slaves. She stared getting... Now, there is this idea that african slaves were the same or treated the same as uh african-american slaves and that's simply not true i mean of course it differed from region to region but on the whole slaves had rights they could marry they could own their own slaves it was a position in a society but it wasn't one in which you were bound to for the rest of your life and your children which makes the 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 very differing (laughs) levels of both slave trades and then most people that were uh pushed into the slave trade or sold into the slave trade to the colonials were prisoners of war so it was a way in which to get rid of the undesirables and because there was a such a thirst for it the the need is what eventually turned it into hey these are prisoners of war to hey everyone's game to take because the need is so large and vast to send over to the american colonies that they started just outright kidnapping folks but there was a point in which african society would have slaves in their own societies but they were not bound by the same slave ideology as colonialism and as we are about to find out it is an offer of a dowry or intent to marry because she started or part of a dowry she started getting suitors at a young age she reportedly had an offer of 10 slaves daily from makama plus 50 male slaves 50 female slaves and 50 bags of white and blue cloths or clothes from the thin emir of kano after the death of her parents in or around 1566 amina's younger brother karama became king of zazao while amina was busy building and gaining military skills with the zaozu see i already changed it three times zaozao <laughs> military till she became the leader of the zaozao cavalry 
before her brother's death upon his 10 years upon his 10 year reign as the king of zao zao queen amina had become famous and had acquired notoriety wealth and accolades as leader as we stated earlier the context of queen amina's leadership was pre-colonial nigeria where men did not feel threatened when women were in positions of power as it was usually understood that they deserved to be there because of age kinship or merit not gender that's also another huge misconception despite uh, some current modern ideas still coming through out of africa that women did have a lot more rights than their white female counterparts particularly in these regions they were allowed to hold certain powers they i mean if you go into the um uh akana Asha, no 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 asante asante empire you'll learn that the power actually was with the wives like it was passed down through matriarchy not patriarchy in particular this golden stool which is given to the king upon a coronation which he is allowed to sit on three times well gently sit on three times however it's still something that is passed through the matriarchal line because that that's just how they roll uh women could even oust men who were not performing their duties effectively while socially and economically pre-colonial nigerian societies clearly delineated women's and men's roles this did not preclude women from asserting their authority or themselves at the time of amina's reign zao zao was situated at the crossroads of three major trade corridors of northern africa connecting the sahara with the remote markets of southern forest lands in the western sudan the rise and fall of the powerful and more dominant songhai empire or peoples and the resulting competition for control and trade routes incited continual warring amongst the hasa people and their neighboring settlements during the 15th and 16th centuries in the continental or continual competition for power among the house states zarya for a time achieved predominance under queen amina she led her first military charge a few months after assuming power for the rest of her 34 year reign she continued to fight and expand her kingdom to its greatest in history my cook would fucking break you heading up an army of 20,000 men she tried to annex several surrounding cities up to Nup or nupe and rode kano and katsina at the cost of 34 years of almost uninterrupted warfare welcome to the rice fields motherfucker the objectives of her conquests were twofold extension of zao zao beyond its primary borders and reduction of conquered cities to vassal status the expansion of amina's kingdom made it the trading center for all of southern hausa land spanning the traditional east to west trans-saharan axis and guaranteeing zarya's prosperity amina brought unheard of wealth to the land one description cites a tribute payment of 40 eunuchs and 10,000 colonuts. What is a colonut?
the term kola nut usually refers to the seeds of a certain species of plant of the genus kola ah placed formerly in the cocoa family oh (laughs) the only reason why is because now i know what kola means oh that's unfortunate well she boosted her kingdom's wealth and power with gold slaves and new crops because her people were talented metal workers amina introduced a metal armor including iron helmets and chainmail to her army amina is also credited as the architect of the strong earthen walls around the city which became the prototype for fortifications used in all house estates she built many of these fortifications later known as ganuwal amina or amina's walls around various conquered cities many of these walls remain in existence to this day walling was a vitally important consideration in the development of african urban life walls gave definition to settlements and prevented uncontrollable sprawl they also provided psychological and physical security in unstable times they afforded protection against theft or destruction and in peacetime they controlled entry and exit also politically walls were considered prestigious their size a measure of a ruler's ability to command the labor of his or her subjects the walls constructed by queen amina of zarya not only protected hasa markets from external threats emanating from the south but also became an enduring testimony to her glorious reign according to legend amina refused to marry and instead took a temporary husband from the legions of vanquished foes at after every battle yes queen yes queen yes queen legend also records that she died during a military campaign at adagara near baida in nigeria her exploits earned her the moniker amina daughter of nika tau a woman as capable as a man her legendary escapades made her the model for the television series xena warrior princess today her memory represents the spirit and strength of womanhood queen amina undoubtedly managed to forge doubt of oh my god i really can't say that word undoubtedly managed to forge and imprint a legacy that contradicts all stereotypes of women's leadership in patriarchal african societies where the inequality that women face affects virtually all aspects of society there is significant evidence that women were allowed to make ample contributions to the social political and economic structure of their societies in pre-colonial nigeria if not the same clout as men where they were prevented from being openly active women used loopholes inherent in their social structures to gain and maintain some level of power this changed to a large extent with the advent of islam and later british colonial rule causing women to suffer important setbacks the obstacles facing women in nigeria and across africa may persist yet the legacies and examples of women such as amina point to the possibilities that exist for african women to reshape the destinies of their societies and communities there goes my hero. 
no it's funny xena warrior princess was my show and i had no idea after watching it for so many seasons that it was based on this wonderful nigerian queen our second and last queen in discussion today is queen nandi which many may recognize as the mother of shaka zulu nandi behebi was impregnated out of wedlock by jama's son oh my they really want me to say this sen zan gakona the milango people demanded that guy to pay damages for his non-traditional act the milango approached the jamas to settle the matter nandi was on the forefront of this case in discussion she personally demanded 55 head of cattle as payment for damages done to her and the herd was delivered to the milango people the jamas and the Senzangakona. I'm, I'm trying agreed to pay the damages demanded by milango people so as to avoid war on the other hand they did not truly or sin Senzangakona did not truly love nandi after nandi gave birth to her son shaka she initially spent some time at we're just gonna call him sin sin's kraal before her relationship oh what that's another word i don't know let's find out what crowd means i just want to ask peers maybe grab a pencil take some notes i'm about to drop knowledge so it is pronounced crawl and it is a traditional african village of huts typically closed by a fence also sounds like a very fancy word for a harem if there's more than one wife there <laughs> So that's where she was kept or she spent some time there before her relationship with sin deteriorated forcing her to leave the crawl nandi returned to her people the malongo of elangini leaving shaka behind shaka's life at sin's crawl proved dangerous and finally his uncle mudley brought him to nandi at elangini during that time nandi had to protect her son from famine assassination attempts and enemies however nandi's stay at elangini proved dangerous as well so she left with her son to live amongst the kiwabi people there she met gendeniana whom she married and had a son negwadi nandi's stay amongst the kiwabi was not pleasant at all and this forced her to leave kiwabi to live amongst the methawu oh my y'all are killing me methuwa people led by chief dingiswayo nandi was warmly welcomed by the methawa people she found it a good place to raise her sons shaka and nigwadi and her daughter namkoba her son shaka joined a chu regiment led by buhosa it was amongst the mithawawa yeah where shaka devised military tactics queen nandi advised her son until the day she died october 10th of 1827 of dysentery unfortunately it was his mother that that uh was able to stop shaka from his more 
brutal and cruel methods of warfare which she definitely adopted after she passed away even in death she had great power of the zulu tribe ashaka mourned the loss of his mother he ordered that any family who had a child within a year of queen nandi's death would be executed nandi went from a mistreated lowly third wife to queen of the zulu people her story was a little short i couldn't find as much information about her and her life her earlier life other than that she was shunned and that she and her son was very close to the point that he made her her his chief advisor and that that speaks a lot considering you know you had <laughs> i don't even know what time this was in history i'm just thinking of that uh that one king who had all of his wife turned on him his son turned on him yeah uh i'm thinking of all the the kings who locked up (laughs) their moms (laughs) shit told them what to do killed their lovers so yeah it's nice to know that even this uh this great king didn't do all of the great things if you really look into his uh track record did have a or was brought to where he was due to a powerful mother we are going to pick up on the next uh the next pod i'll try to do these on sunday with queen uh, two additional queens that we'll mention in history we'll go ahead and jump back into our black history and european society and other parts of the world as well uh, there's a few items for a few uh articles that i have lined up and saved in my favorites if you have any suggestions or any topics that you would like to see explored you can send feedback to blackercouch at gmail.com or you can leave a comment below on this podcast my social media will be there as well remember to like share and subscribe until the next time peace hair grease and blacker magic <laughs>